senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 81. Like we warned you last week, uh, this is going to be a truncated show because we are literally just back from uh, our last day at Boston Comic Con. And you would think, since the traveling is limited, that we wouldn't be completely fucking exhausted, but you would be wrong. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Three days of any convention of any reasonable size, I feel like I've been caned for some form of vandalism in Singapore uh, across the backs of my legs. I would like to know why why Boston cab drivers seem completely incapable of running their air conditioning. Oh, my God. It, because it, it, even if I left the convention on a given day with some semblance of energy and tiniest spring in my step by the time... We, you know, took the 20 minute cab ride back to where we live. I felt like I had heat stroke. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely horrible. And it was never as quick a ride as it could be because we had to take the mass pike. Yeah. Which as arteries go, it's like the artery of a fat man with a lard (laughs) fetish. Just (laughs) jams right the fuck up near Fenway Park every time you try to go west. Boston Comic Con 2015 lard fetish. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's not say that about the convention (laughs) because. So, yeah, it's just, it's an exhausting experience if you've ever, ever been to any convention of any size, and Boston Comic Con is becoming a convention. It's getting there. Of reasonable size. Yes. It's, this is the third year that it's been at the Seaport World Trade Center, which is one of the bigger convention centers in downtown Boston. Uh, not the biggest, but this was the first year, I think the first year that they sold out one day they did. in advance. Uh, yep. On Saturday. Yeah, Saturday was sold out uh, by Friday afternoon, I think. Yep. So uh, they may move to the, the, I forget what the, there's like one bigger convention center in Boston because we well, just don't. We're speculating they might move. But, you know, based on the success, it look, you know, if they want to keep growing, they're going to have to find a bigger venue eventually. Yeah, pretty much. Because, yeah, and, and the weird thing is this convention's had some growing pains. It yes. grew kind of explosively uh, two years ago. When it was supposed to be in April, and then some dipshit with a fucking pressure cooker kind of screwed that and a whole lot of things up for the city of Boston for a few days. Uh, that was the year they moved it to August, and they moved it to the bigger convention center at the seaport. Yep. And it really started to do very well, at least from an attendance standpoint. That first year and up to a certain point last year, there were really some... They were growing faster than they could deal with. Yes. We got lucky that first year in that we happened to pick the right line at the right time to get a wristband and get in relatively quickly. Because I still remember that first one. And it was not like this this year, but that first one we went to, and you're looking at the convention center from the front, and there's a giant line going off to the left and a giant line going off to the right. And no signage, <laughs> no human beings in any kind of uniform or shirt or anything indicating they had the authority to tell you where to go. We were tempted to go to the line on the left because that's where the Dunkin' Donuts was. And, you know, as New Englanders, if you are left with no port in the storm, we will gravitate 
towards Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, if you don't know where to go, you'll wind up at a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. But, yeah, we just sort of wound up on the right line. But that year, a lot of people complained. It took them a couple hours to get through the line, to get their wristband, to get checked in, to actually get into the building. Yeah. Last year was better, but it didn't really affect us last year because we... Well, we, they had instituted you could pick up your, your wristbands ahead of time. Well, they had that the first year. It's just we didn't do it because we figured, eh, yeah, we how hard could it fucking be? <laughs> Funny story. Yeah. <laughs> so last year, yeah, we went in the day before and got wristbands for us and for Trebuchet and Pixie Sticks, who've been guests on the show. Um So, yeah, we were all set ahead of time. And we fully intended to do that this year. Like, I, I took a day off the day job months ago going, yeah, on Thursday, we'll just go in and get the wristbands. And then the email went out on <laughs> on Wednesday going, yeah, yeah, we're, we're not doing that. And it's like, oh, fuck, no. We're not doing that. And by the way, make sure that you bring, you know, sun protection, a hat, uh, water, just, you know, because you don't know how long you'll be in line. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was going to be 90 degrees <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. And the, the other thing was they said, okay, unlike previous years when once you had your wristbands, you can just walk in and leave as you please. They very specifically said, yeah, if you leave the building, you have to get back in line and, <laughs> and, uh, and go through whatever line is still there. So immediately in my head, I'm thinking like what happened with Rhode Island Comic Con last year, which was you know, they oversold that we weren't at that convention, but they oversold the shit out of it. Right. So people would go out for a cigarette and not get back in the building that day. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, this is oversold. It's going to be a nightmare. They haven't learned anything from their growth. I was completely wrong, though, because this was really... Everything was pretty smooth right out of the gate. It really was. I mean, props to the convention organizers. It, it was it was smooth getting in line. Um, all of the various technology seemed to work well, so there were no glitches. They they you know hit your barcode or QR code or whatever the hell it was on your on your printouts. Yeah. Um, you got your wristband and or a lanyard if you were a VIP type person. Um, oh oh, we were VIP type people. Because we had the extra 30 bucks a day. Rob, explain to the nice people what it means to be a VIP at Boston Comic Con. What it means to be a, a VIP at Boston <laughs> Comic Con is you pay an extra $30 a day. Um, <laughs> but no, the good thing about it is, yeah, you get this this lanyard. The, the real key thing is you can get into the convention center half an hour before... It officially opens, which which can be useful to a certain degree. I was able to place a, an order for a commission that I'm I'm looking forward to getting. Um, and well, let's face it, you ordered something a little bit complicated, yeah, even though I, you got it. This year, I learned early. you can ask for a commission, but if you want something complicated, you they will. If you ask for <laughs> if you ask for two figures and foliage and multiple colors, it doesn't then matter. You should, if you should negotiate with the artist who is being gracious enough to do this for you ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter if you're first on the commission like, list ahead of time, like through like email or. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that will come, and I, I'm looking yes, forward and I'm to looking seeing forward it. To, looking forward to getting it very much. Um, but um, it was also nice because we were able to to kind of get the lay of the land before. Um, all of everybody else came in, so you could actually like take full steps and move your arms. Oh yeah, and the air conditioning was still in full effect. <laughs> and yeah, you could hit the vendors ahead of time. I, I don't often go to conventions looking for back issues. Yes. But the cool thing about Boston Comic Con, as with a lot of, even though it's bigger, Boston Comic Con still basically is a regional convention. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they, they have some, 
celebrities, but not a ton of them. It really still is mostly about the comics. Uh, even the panels they have, they will have Q&A panels with the celebrities that are in, but otherwise it's pretty much all comics. There were at least three panels from Marvel, um, two from DC, one from IDW Comics, mm-hmm. you know, it's stuff about you know, comic book trivia and how to break into comics. It's it's really comic book based, which means they also had a ton of comic book vendors. So yeah, I decided uh, I'll look for a few back issues I've sort of wanted. Dumb shit, shit that's hard to find. Like I <laughs> I got the original uh, DC superstars where we talked in a previous show that I've got this thing about this 1977 78 DC titled Star Hunters that yes. I had when I was a kid. And I have since picked most of them up, but I didn't have the original DC Superstars double size issue where they debuted, and I never had the last issue of the series, so I never knew how it ended. Oh no! So yeah, be, being able to get in there early, you can dig through these what amount to quarter bins. Neither issue cost me more than three bucks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I finally know how Star Hunters end. You know how it ended? Fucking badly. It didn't end at all. It was, <laughs> it was Donovan Flint makes it back to Earth and he still has the genetic disorder that was given to him by the corporation. That means he can't survive more than 24 hours on Earth. And there's a, <laughs> there's a big dialogue, uh, or, or caption box saying, you know, then and stay tuned for a, a special cameo by Adam Strange. And then it just fucking ended. And I Googled it. It's like, yep, that, that was the last issue. So he's dead. Nobody knows on the DC Wikia page. It says, "Yeah, nobody knows if he was successful and able to defeat the corporation." I wish you had read this before we went to the DC panel <laughs> today. If we can get if we if we get back into San Diego next year, I, I have a series of questions for various creators. <laughs> can someone put me in touch with uh, David? I can never pronounce his name, Micheline, and I don't even have the sound effect for the you know, what kind of parents name their kids that because. Because yeah, we're we're so wiped out. We just you know hooked up the mobile rig that that we use to record all the panels to just uh, do a, a show quickly. And by the way, if this show sounds a little bit off, it's not just the equipment because of our cloud delivery network. I kind of have to encode this at a lower bit rate to make sure we have enough space for all the shows this month. But yeah, it was since we were able to get in earlier, you could actually you know go and hunt for these books yes. and you know since it was close to home. Yeah, okay, today is the day I'm bringing in the lock and key trade paperback so that I can get, uh, so that I can get, uh, get it finally signed after three years by, by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. And yeah, the, today's the day that, uh, we'll bring in the chew paperback because, uh, the, the creators of that book are, are going to be signing stuff. So you could bring stuff in. It's much easier when it's a local convention of any kind of size that has creators because you can bring your stuff in and get it done as opposed to, God, the number of people I know who go to conventions and places and try to haul their own stuff on the plane. And even with those, I just tell them, just buy your stuff at the convention. Shit gets expensive, yo. It but- does. And, and you can't always find the thing that you want. I was looking for a particular issue um, for a creator to sign because I forgot to bring mine and... The number of bins that I gave up on because it was, we're just bringing our stuff. We're not going to alphabetize it. <laughs> oh yeah. There, there were a bunch of, a bunch of retailers that, yeah, had what amounted to quarter bins. It's bronze and silver age Marvel and DC books. No, not a bag or a board in sight. There, nothing there any better than like fine condition. But yeah, if you're looking for something to fill in a collection, you could do it. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, I mean... <sighs> no, so the VIP thing, it, it's worthwhile if you um, want to get the lay of the land, if you have particular things that you want to be looking for or individuals that you want to touch base with before the madness begins. <laughs> yeah. That's that's where it's worthwhile. It also, uh, we didn't take advantage of, of this part, but there was also a pass um, if, if to get into a particular, like, quick lane if you wanted to do autographs with particular individuals. We didn't use that. Yeah, we only did one autograph. I'll talk about that <laughs> that in a little bit. But the other thing that has often been a problem at Boston Comic Con uh, has been panels. Uh, in previous years, I don't think in the last two Boston Comic Cons we got into more more than one more than no. The first year we got into two panels. We got into Lock and Key. Yep. And I don't even remember what the other one. We got was into at Lock and Key, but it was like obstructed view seating. <laughs> yeah. And there was a, yeah, one other panel. I can't, last year we couldn't get into any. No. Because the, the problem was there was, for, for the last couple of years, wasn't the case this year. Uh, all, it, it didn't seem like any line management. You'd go up and sort of mill around and a line would kind of form around a room and they always clear the, the rooms after every panel. Yeah. So, and the problem is it was always there was one way in and one way out, and it was the same fucking way. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you'd stand there and people would mill out and try to cut back into the line, and you're waiting for things to get in, and there was nobody standing there keeping track of how many people went in, so you'd finally get in, be like, great, I'm in here, and every fucking seat is filled, and there's 150 people in the back milling around going, what the hell are we supposed to do? And then you wind up leaving. Right. This year, I'm still not sure it's optimum with the amount of space at the Seaport World Trade. I'm not sure what else they could really do, but yeah, they, they had the doors split out. So you, you went in one door and there was a completely separate couple doors where you leave and they did sort of a makeshift aisle system. Yeah. So there was no confusion and no real way when somebody's leaving a panel to sneak back into line. They made it very clear we're not going to officially line anybody up. For at least 15 minutes ahead of time. So if you plan kind of ahead, you could make sure you're in the right place. So when they said, okay, we're lining people up, you could get in line. You could then descend like locusts. Yeah. (laughs) But it meant that if you did just a little bit of planning, you knew you could get into the panel, which took a lot of the stress out of it. Right. So, yeah, we were able to get into four panels this year. Yeah. Yeah. Four out of- record for us. Yeah. Four out of five that we were looking for. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, (laughs) the weird thing about a convention like this is- there was some news. We, we got some news items out of it, but there's certainly not a ton. It's three weeks after San Diego Comic-Con. Right. Not too many publishers are saving the really good shit for, you know, Boston down by the wharf. Yeah. But, so yeah, I mean, we were able to get some stuff. And part of the reason this show is going to be truncated is, yeah, it's literally, I recorded the entirety of all four of these panels. I got to go back through and pull out audio so we can get the actual news pieces that are out and some of the, the cool quotes. You know, there were some good creators in these panels, so it was certainly fun to go check them out. Um, but yeah, to, to get the most out of it, it's just going to take hours to do it. So right now, uh, like we said in last week's show, the preliminary plan is probably on Thursday we'll do a full-length show to really talk about uh, the, some of the stuff that was actually announced at Boston Comic-Con but otherwise, yeah, it was just, uh, <laughs> again, I'll talk about the autograph in a minute. But yeah, overall, it seems like they've got their 
trouble with getting into the convention center. They've had the last couple of years really just about figured yep, out. That seems to be resolved. The one thing that prevented uh, Trebuchet and Pixie Six were supposed to go with us again this year, and they decided instead to ask for a refund. And part of it was the uncertainty uh, about how the lines were going to be handled, but also come hell or high water, the VIP line was completely separated from the standard entry line. Right. So no matter what, we were not going to be able to walk in at the same time. We'd have to find some place to meet. And yeah, if there was any real kind of trouble in one line or another getting in, you're separated for God knows how long. You're separated. And um, as we got closer to and then inside the convention center, um, self-service was was weakly peeing. <laughs> yeah. So if you needed to try to touch base or connect with anyone, you were kind of SOL. And other than certain little sort of hot spots, it felt like, particularly by Saturday. <laughs> yeah, on Saturday we met the Lance Mannion in there, and yeah, we managed to get an email from him, which according to the send time was twenty minutes earlier, saying I'm in the building. Try calling him, would go straight to voicemail. Call him, you'd hear, and it would cut off. It's the worst horror movie ever. Took 15 minutes to get him on the phone, and (laughs) finally, he'd say, Oh, I'm by this place. I know where that is. Don't move. Don't fucking move. (laughs) We will come find you there. In no way thinking it's like, you know, Jesus, you're close to the frozen cosplayers and the kids, and you're going to stand out. You stay where you're at. Yeah. You just don't go. But yeah, it was a, it's tough to connect if you can't go in at the same time. I'm not sure if there's any way around it, if they're going to continue to have VIP and a, a standard ticket. And I'm not sure how they get around it. And again, as somebody who sprung for the, the VIP, it was nice to have that half hour entry. Yeah. I will continue to pay extra to do that. But yeah, it makes it trouble if, if not everybody goes for it. Eh, you might have some trouble reconnecting. But, yeah, either whether you did the VIP or the standard, like I said, it seemed like everybody got in without too many complaints. Uh, I saw stuff on Twitter that uh, this morning there was a huge line almost all the way around the entire building mm-hmm. that by the time I went out for a smoke an hour and a half after the thing went, that line was cleared. Everybody was inside. Right. So everything worked smoothly. You were able to get into panels, which was cool. It seemed like the autograph stuff. This is the only time we've been to a lot of major conventions. Yes. This is the only time I have ever done a paid autograph. Stand in line. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I did it for Stan Lee. And here was my theory. I've seen Stan at conventions. I've been close to him. Our second San Diego Comic-Con, we were walking near a restaurant. Stan came out and walked right toward us. Yeah, so close to him insofar as, oh, look, there's Stan Lee. And then his handlers would see gawkers and shuffle him along. Oh, yeah. (laughs) To be fair, when Stan saw us, we had been drinking heavily for quite a while. I'm sure our eyes, I'm sure our eyes were not pointing in the same direction and we smelled strongly of an agave plant or a fraternity carpet or something of the type. I too would have whisked my famous trustee away from me. But it was Code uh, Red, move Excelsior. Yeah. But I've never had a chance to get an autograph from Stan. I've never had a chance to talk to him. Stan is 92 years old. You hear about Stan now beginning to occasionally have to cancel appearances, you know, because right. of his health. 
So I figured, okay, he's in town. If I ever even want to remotely for 30 seconds be able to say, hey, man, this is what you mean to me and thank you for everything, I, I have to do it now. Yeah. Now, it's, uh, the session was 100 bucks. Yep. So you have to really want to meet Stan. And everything I'm about to say is absolutely there, – there's no fault to it. This is nobody's fault. If Stan Lee is in a place and people want to meet him – Everybody wants to meet him. Yeah. Which means there is a massive demand for this energetic for an elderly man, but elderly man's time and attention. Yes. So I decided today's the day, and it's like, I'm not going to bring a comic book in or anything like that. I have, I found, uh, my parents had kept it, and when they delivered me a bunch of stuff, they'd been moving from house to house and finally said, here, fuck it, this is your problem now. Uh, it's a picture of me at my first comic book convention when I was seven years old, and it was at a mall in Connecticut near where I lived, and the big draw was some actor dressed as Spider-Man, which I didn't know at the time. I was seven. It's like, Spider-Man's going to be at the mall. And yeah, it's a picture of me at seven in a Spider-Man shirt <laughs> with Spider-Man. So I'm like, I'm going to have Stan sign this. I can show him that, look, you changed my life. You're one of the reasons I learned how to read. Thank you for everything. That's all I'm thinking. It's like, you meet him, show him this. 15 seconds with him, it's going to be awesome. You would think that, except yeah. when there's 500 people, and this is one of three signing sessions he's doing in a day on top of three photo sessions. Now, since it's a dual revenue stream, and let's not bullshit anybody, this is a dual revenue stream. You can get Stan's signature, or you can get your picture. You ain't getting fucking both. You want a picture? You well, will you, go. There were people that were doing both, but they they had to get in line for both sessions. It wasn't happening all at once. Yeah, no, you want it? That's another hundred bucks. You can get the picture, and then bring the picture to Stan to sign. But yeah, you're not, you know. A selfie stick is a lethal weapon at this thing. They'll take it from you and shove it up your ass. There, there were like several burly giant men that they had placed strategically, so that as you got to the front of 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 the the shoot, they were having you meander through to get to the front to meet Stan. You, there was no even if you had like a selfie stick and uh, no care for the value of your life uh, because they were yeah. going to tackle you and take it you weren't going to be able to get a shot of stan like, yeah. there was no way that you couldn't you couldn't see yeah and frankly even if you wanted to risk it there's just too many people in line if everybody says also you know oh stan can i get a photo we'd all be there for forever yeah and this thing is set up to maximize throughput to maximize profits and and that's fine. This is America. You're allowed to do it. And the reality is there is that kind of demand for people to meet Stan. And I'm doing air quotes right now because, yeah, that 15 seconds with Stan, you don't get that shit with Stan. You are moved like a pig through a chute yep. and you hit the table. And at the edge of the table, you hand over your ticket saying you gave your hundred bucks. You hand over the thing that you want to sign and you point to, I want Stan to, Stan to sign here. Yes. It is moved down. You move over. You're told that you will have a, a few seconds to say something, but don't expect to have a meaningful conversation. Yeah. And they also say, you got to talk really loud because Stan is, is hard of hearing. <laughs> well, the, the reality is that it's, it's an assembly line. Yeah. You ticket here, hand this to this person who slides it to Stan and literally not even saying anything, just pounds on the thing with her finger. Yeah. Said, sign here. Stan does not look up. No. 
again, to be fair, Stan has to sign 500 fucking things. Yeah. This is Sunday, which means he, this is his fifth session in two yeah. days. He's got at least one more before the end of the day. Plus, he's had his picture taken with, you know, half of the consars sickened <laughs> population of Boston. And no wonder he has health issues lately. Yeah, but... He takes the thing, he signs it, he pushes it forward, glances up, smiles, but then the next thing is put in front of him. So I yelled, thanks. That was my interaction with Stan Lee. But I got to meet him. You did. Yeah, and he... (laughs) I got to watch you meet him. Speaking of revenue streams, here's the other way they get you. I didn't need to do this because this is a personal item. Right. You know, I'm happy I have Stan's autograph on this thing that is personal to me. Ain't nobody ever going to buy it. There's no market for me at seven years old sitting on Spider-Man's lap. All right, there might be a market for it, but it's not a market that will, you know, use anything but cash in an alley. It's a separate market from those who have a lard fetish. They'll they'll pay Bitcoin, yeah. and but on the dark net. But yeah, there's no there's no market for that. If you're having a book signed or a poster and anything you you think that you want to to have any value, okay, you've paid the hundred dollars. Now, if you go stand in this other line, there's a lady who'll give you a sticker that certifies this is actually Stan Lee's autograph. That's another five bucks. Yep. If it's a comic book they, that you had signed, they won't give you a sticker. No. They send you straight to the the comics or the CG. Uh, I've never had a comic slab. CGC. So, see, that sounds right. Um, the the dudes who slab your comics. You know, which granted increases the value because it's been professionally graded and seals it up, but. So yeah, you've paid for the autograph, now you gotta pay for these ancillary things to make sure it has any value if you're doing it. It was a really weird experience. I mean, it was. On the plus side, I was in front of Stan. I had as much of a personal interaction with him, I suppose, as one can expect, you know, given these kind of circumstances. But yeah, I mean, I walked into it thinking, you know, for 15 seconds to be able to tell this man what his work has meant to me, what it's done for my life, that's worth it. I'm not sure I'd have, I'd have paid a hundred for thanks, Stan, <laughs> and not even being sure he fucking heard me. And again, this is nobody's fault. No. It's Stan Lee. Everybody wants to meet him. There's no other way you can do it. You know, there was a Stan Lee VIP experience where there was a very limited admission panel where he answered questions apparently for an hour, two hours. Yep. I made a conscious choice. I didn't want to pay the extra to do that. Yeah. I could have. I chose not to. I chose instead to do this. But I'll tell you this, uh, unless it's Jesus handing out indulgences for heaven, I'm not doing that experience again. Well, it's, it's buyer beware. So if you, if you haven't had the opportunity to, to do something like this, keep in mind that it, it may not live up to the, the dreams or expectations that you may have had for it going into it. And I, te- right after it happened, I texted, uh, Gary Anna Beta, who's been a guest on the show, uh, and said, I've now met Stan Lee. It's okay for one of us to die now. And of course, her first thing back was pics or it didn't happen. And I'm like, I replied with what well, I had a choice. I could get a picture or an autograph. I got an autograph. They wouldn't let me take a picture. I could send you a picture of the autograph. And her honest to God response via text was, boo, <laughs> this is a bad story. Boo. <laughs> the only story I got that cost me a hundred bucks. Yep. <laughs> but, and even then, you know, how hard, you know, how much can I complain? You know, when I send the picture of that signature to my dad, he'll be excited as hell. Yeah. So, I mean, it was also worthwhile insofar as, yeah, Stan's not going to be with us forever. Had the opportunity to interact however briefly. Yeah. 
so it's a it it was worth doing. Yeah, I don't regret doing it. I <laughs> I hate to have to report the experience didn't live up to my meager eye contact in fifteen seconds worth of not even conversation. But here's what you mean to me, Stan. But again, I don't know what the hell you do about that. Yeah, you know it's <laughs> it's not like it was you know Manny Ipshits. You know the the line is four people long. You'll spend as long with you as you want. Right. No, it's Stanley. Everybody wants to spend the time. This is the only way everybody gets to spend the time. And to be fair, everyone got their time. Yeah. The four seconds of it. <laughs> but you got it. It's true. It's true. All right. So, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I, I suppose the only thing to report is, yeah, we're going to spend the next few days going over the panel audio that we were able to capture to pull out the tidbits and the cool stuff. Like I said, there were some really good people on the panels, so. Yeah, no, the panels were all very enjoyable, um, even though there was not much, if any, news to really report, given that there's been other conventions, um, even, you know, after San Diego, but before Boston. Yeah. Um, Gen Con, for example, was happening this same weekend. (laughs) As as was uh, Tampa Bay Comic Con. This is a big weekend. So... What there was a lot of at these panels were um, writers and artists and editors who were just happy to interact with fans and try to answer questions as best they could. Yeah. Um. And and that was nice to see. There was there was genuine enthusiasm from everybody involved. Yeah. No. Definitely. And uh, the the coolest quote, uh, I think probably of the entire thing was, yeah, today's DC panel. Where Scott Snyder, and I hadn't really paid a lot of mind to it, but he, he's been at all three of the last Boston Comic Cons. Yeah. And he flat out said, it's like, this is the, the one convention I go to every year. It, the one convention I don't have to go to. You know, look, But that I go to anyway. Yeah, DC says I have to go to San Diego. That's my job. This one I just come to. Because, you know, yeah, it's it's become a solid mid-level convention where you can spend some time with people. and Yes. You know, and... As the people, you get to spend you know some extra time with the creators that you don't get to at some of these mega conventions. Yeah, not with Stan. Stan, you get four seconds. You get four seconds, and you, know, you move and a, along. Quickly. A glimmer of eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I think he half looked up after he signed your your photograph to to see who who would hand him this. <laughs> yeah, everybody else. Like, is is there a son around here? Or like, <laughs> yeah, well, Stan, if we had more than four seconds, I'd explain it to you. But you know. <laughs> He's gonna go home. This child. I was not looking to increase the value of anything. I just wanted a moment of connection with a guy who created characters that have changed my life. Technically, I got that. So (laughs) we'll call that a victory. So yeah, it's. uh, Why don't we wrap this up? Like I said, this this is going to be a truncated one. We'll pull together the good stuff, and hopefully by Thursday we will have a more extended show with a ton of panel audio yes. and some extra tidbits, but for right now, why don't we wrap it up? I'm not even going to do the full outro. but there, There's stuff to look forward to. Um, Joe Hill pitched something that will probably never happen at the IDW panel. Oh, the G.I. Joe crossover. Yeah. yeah. yeah you're going to want to tune in just to hear that. <laughs> that. That's some crazy shit. <laughs> that's some good shit. Um, and so it was, it was, it was really more of a joking pitch, but we want this to happen. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, and, and at the DC panel today, there, there was some cool stuff, um, re- regarding comments around the new 52. <laughs> yeah, there was, 
What happens when editors let down their hair somewhat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, a weird, almost admission about <laughs> certain opinions regarding the new 52. Yes. So, so yeah, we will have much more detailed and much more cool stuff for you later on this week. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for, for listening to this quick recap of Boston Comic Con 2015, uh, which, uh, yeah, I guess this is uh, episode 81 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Yeah, I don't even have anything clever to go out. <laughs> Just, you can say goodbye. I've already had more personal interaction <laughs> <laughs> than I got with Stan. Oh, well. Just- just let it go. <laughs>